I got an idea. I got an idea. I got an idea. Let's give it up to the Father for the weather. Huh? Come on. It's good stuff, okay? We are in the Ohio Valley, okay? Uh, this is probably gone in a couple days, so enjoy uh, what we got. Thanks for coming out and being with us here in worship today. We're thrilled that you're in the house of God here. Welcome to our online community, wherever you're at. We, we hear great stories about uh, different folks on online all over the place, so we're just thrilled that you're here and uh, glad that you come to, to learn about what God's will is for our life. Down in uh, Destin, Florida, there is a tourist attraction known as Crab Island. And there's probably some people in this room who have been on Crab Island. It's actually just a sandbar. It's kind of a raised sandbar in the Choctawatchee Bay. And uh, this beautiful, beautiful place is absolutely crystal clear water. It's kind of that turquoise color, and it's about waist deep. And every day in the summer, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people make their way to Crab Island in the Choctawatchee Bay uh, to enjoy the sun and the water. Now, right on the edge of, uh, of Crab Island, there's a little inlet of water, and that inlet takes you into the Gulf of Mexico, the ocean out there. And um, right on that inlet between uh, Crab Island and the Gulf of Mexico, on one side of the inlet is a beach, a pretty long beach, and on the other side are shops and hotels and restaurants. It is, it is absolutely a breathtaking view. And a few weeks ago, my family was there, and we were on that inlet, and we'd got over on the beach area in the boat that we were in, and uh, we got out on the beach, and people like to go there uh, to watch the uh, water vessels, uh, various water vessels from the, the gulf make their way into the bay area, and from the bay go back to uh, the ocean. And so just sitting there and watching these things, you've got everything from jet skis to uh, pretty nice boats to pontoon boats to... Uh, those, those poor little things going around trying to sell those nasty boiled peanuts. I mean, you got everything in the world going by you, and it's just beautiful to sit and watch it. And so we were, we were sitting there a few weeks ago, and we noticed coming from the, um, the Gulf area, the Gulf of Mexico, as, as it got closer, this absolutely beautiful boat as it was kind of floating by slowly heading over into the Bay Area. And uh, the, the closest thing I can describe it, 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 it was this long, sleek-looking, shiny black. You kind of think of the, the speedboats that they have up in Madison, and, and it kind of had that shape to it. Was, but it was, about, it was about three times longer and about two times wider, and it was just like breathtaking to see that, that boat come by. And everybody was just like, look at that, look at that. And, and as it came by us, uh, people started saying, look, look, look. And about 200 yards behind it, there was another boat that was identical to that one. You had some cat out there that not only owned one of those, they owned two of those. And so it came by and everybody just kind of, look at that thing. And as this second one came by, we looked back and another couple hundred yards behind it, there, there was a third one coming that had the exact same shape, the same color. It had this beautiful, shiny black, but it was about three times larger than those first two. 
I mean, I, I, I remember thinking, there goes two rich kids and their fat daddy behind them, filthy rich. And everybody was just like, wow, those were crazy. And so they went over in the bay somewhere and we kind of hung out there for the day. And a few hours later, we started heading back in and we went over uh, by Crab Island and you kind of go around it to get where we were going. We noticed on the uh, eastern side of Crab Island, those three boats were there and they were all tied up together. They were kind of linked together. They're all three of them and they were attached to the largest boat that I have ever seen. It wasn't a cruise liner, but it was close to it. And those boats that we thought were incredible looked like ants to this thing. And it was, it was this incredible yacht. And these three boats were attached to it. And so because we're nosy, we went over there on the eastern side of the, the, the island and we started looking at it. And on the other side of the boat, they had attached to this yacht a helicopter pad with a doggone helicopter on it. And we were like, who in the world are these people? And so we kind of did a Google search and we found out that it was actually owned, that whole operation, by an actor on the Walking Dead TV series. Now, as we went around it, I noticed that the front of this yacht, I don't know my boat terms, so forgive me, there is this huge chain coming out the front of it, and obviously it was attached to its anchor down in, in the ocean area, the bay there. And so I began to study that a little bit and the size of that boat, and that anchor was probably in excess of a thousand pounds in weight. It must have been an enormous anchor. Now, the, the reason I tell you that story and kind of get you in that, that frame of mind is because uh, this month we've been dealing with anchors, and so we got this anchor that we've been uh, looking at every weekend when I teach, and our anchor is about 20 pounds, and I put it here. And, and we're making the suggestion that this is really important to your Christian walk and to be anchored to it. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the topic that I'm going to talk about today, that anchor right there is insufficient. Because what we're going to talk about right this minute demands the anchor that would be attached to a yacht. It's that important of what we're going to walk through in the Word of God this day. And so whenever I point to this anchor, I need you in your mind, okay, to multiply it by like a thousand, okay, because that's what we're dealing with today. We're talking about something that cannot be over-explained how important it is. It kind of fits the frame of what we've been dealing with for a few weeks. So let's put it up there again. I want to do this every week. We're talking about this idea of spiritual drift. And that's this, this thing that can happen to anybody in the room in your walk with God. And it happens over time. It's slow. And sometimes you don't even realize that it's going on with you. And it's this movement away from a healthy relationship with God. And so that's spiritual drift. And I have suggested that all of us are susceptible to that. Everybody here. 
that you might have times in your life and you realize that where I used to be in my walk with God is not where I'm at today. I've kind of drifted away from that. And our suggestion is that we're gonna play with that this whole month, is the reason drift happens is because we detach ourselves from very important anchors. And as long as you can stay with those anchors and hang on to those anchors, then you don't drift. And we've been talking about some of that. And whenever you do find yourself in drift mode, and everybody does, okay, everybody does, and, and you, you stop and say, what in the world happened? How did I get here? And, and the reason that you are where you're at is because the, the, the cord has been cut on that, that anchor. And so we've been talking about how important it is to know what those anchors are and to stay with those anchors. And so we're into it for a couple of weeks, and we've talked about this. I don't have time to get into them and reteach them, but being anchored to the truth and anchored to the gospel. And, and again, if you weren't here, man, I hope you'll get online. I hope you'll listen to that. that th those things are so important. And, and if those aren't anchored in your life, you're going to drift every time. Well, today we move to a third one. And here's the one that I wanna talk about today, and that is to be anchored to worship. That this anchor right here, the anchor of worship, must be one that is attached in your life. And in your minds right now, I, I need you to think of that anchor as being on that yacht, okay? That's how big it is. Now, I wanna make sure that we all know what I mean by worship. And we're gonna be really kinda of clear and somewhat bold about it when we talk about this uh, on this weekend, but I, I want you to hear what I mean when I talk about being anchored to worship because I'm not talking about living a life where the way you live reflects your love and worship of God. And so our lives are a testimony of our love for God. That is a very important truth that is taught in scripture, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your lives being an expression of worship. That's not what I'm saying. And, and I'm not talking about how to get the most out of worship. I'm not, I'm not talking about when you come in here and, and how to sing and how to, how to hear the word and apply it. I'm, I'm not talking about any of that. Now, the Bible talks a whole lot about that when it defines worship, but that's not our focus. Because when the Bible talks about worship, it is really broad. There's all kinds of tentacles about worship. And so I, I need you to know the tentacle we're talking about. And so as clearly as I know how to say this, I, I, want, I want you to hear what I'm talking about. I'm talking in this study right here about physically going to church. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm emphasizing the word going. I'm talking about showing up at a church building where there are other people who have gathered to focus on God. That's what I'm talking about. And so we're dealing with what are the, what are the anchors, Dave, that I've gotta be, I gotta be connected to so that I don't drift in my relationship with God. And what I'm saying, what I'm saying here, just so we all know, I'm just gonna be blunt about it, I'm talking about going to church. That if you don't go to church, 
And that's not a big deal for you in your life on a regular, consistent basis. You're gonna learn about, all about that. That if that doesn't happen with you, every single time you will drift, every time. Now, let me just kind of say this too, since I've already ruffled a few feathers. I figure, you know, you got 10 people fighting you, you might have 100, okay? So let me, let me just do this. I wanna say something about online worship services. And uh, I, want you, I want you to hear me with this. Uh, all churches everywhere have done a really good job with online services. We do incredible. I've watched them all. Okay, I've seen all kinds of online services. Ain't nobody has one like we. But, but anyway, so we got, it's online services and served a great purpose. And it came at a great time when we needed it. But I want you to hear me how I want you to think of online worship. And if you're online with us, okay, we're glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. But I want you to think of online services like this. Let me read it for you. Online worship is for Christians who can't come to church, but it ought not be a crutch for Christians who won't come to church. Somebody say amen about that, amen. okay? And, and there, there's a huge difference between can't and won't. There's a big difference about that. And so what I'm talking about is the act and the practice of going physically to a church building with churched people. That's what I'm talking about. And, and here, here, here at Eastside, one of the things we, we try to do, and we, we're, I, I think we put a lot of effort into it, we think about that. How can we take away every single excuse that anybody has? That's why we do Thursday night and Sunday morning. Now think about this. Weekday and weekend, nighttime and morning. If you want to be in church, almost everybody can make that happen, okay? And so there's a difference between I can't be there and I, 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 I won't be there. There's a big difference about that. And I'm, I'm a little nervous what I'm going to get into because I can feel the tension right here, okay? And I, I know there are going to be people who misunderstand that. They're going to misinterpret what I'm going to say. I know that's going to happen. I can read the emails right now. Here we go. He just wants more people here. He just wants more numbers, okay? I can hear you all think of that. that. That could not be any further from the truth. I don't even know how to be more wrong about that, if that's your understanding. If you know my heart, you know that my motive is that you would learn with me that God has designed the physical act of going to church as a central anchor. It is a gift to us. It is a central anchor that keeps us grounded to him. And God has provided that gift. And that's my heart that people would hear that. And to, and to dismiss that and to not be a part of that. My interest is, is not at all to make anybody feel guilty about that at all. I just want us to see that if, if we detach ourselves from that, then our chances of drifting increase dramatically. And I have people share that with me from time to time. Dave, this is going on in my life, man. I'm not going to be in church for, you know, six months. You're not going to see me for about a year. And I look at them and I say, I promise you, you will drift. Oh, no, I won't. Yes, you will. Because God designed it this way. 
And I just want us to be able to have the right motive about this and understand how God has given that gift to us. You, you probably remember the, the old story, the lady who wakes, her, uh, wakes up on Sunday morning, she starts getting ready for, for church, and uh, she's getting all ready and all dolled up. You know, it's God's day, you know, going to God's house and getting all prettied up. And she goes in the bedroom, yells at her husband, get up, it's Sunday, get ready for church. And, and he's got the covers over his head. He goes, I ain't going. And she goes, yes, you're going, you're gonna go. Get up, get up, time to go. He goes, I'm not going. She goes, get up. He goes, I'm gonna tell you two reasons why I'm not going. Number one, I don't like those people. I have never, ever liked those people. And they don't like me. They look at me bad. They, they, I talk to them. They walk away. I am not going. She goes, I'll give you two reasons why you are going. God commanded it, and you're the preacher. You got to go, okay? <laughs> so you, you take this idea of why, why would I show up at church? Why would I do that? So let's talk about it. Let's just be bold, okay? We talk about some edgy things here at Eastside from time to time, so let's just go ahead and be old, bold about it, and, and let me say it, okay? Let me just throw it out there. Let's put it up here and play with it. Is it a sin to skip church? Let's don't beat around the bush about that anymore, okay? Let's just ask it, and let's play with that. Is it a sin to skip church? Now, I want you to make sure you, you understand I want to narrow this down so nobody, under, I'm not talking about people who can't be here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people who have health issues. I'm not talking about people that, man, I got to work. I'm not talking about people, man, we got a trip this weekend. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about Christians who won't, who say there's something that I want to be involved in instead of church, and I'm just not going to be there. I'm not going to make that. And so the question is, when that happens on a regular basis, please hear me, is that a sin? And so you might wonder that at times, and somebody might ask you that, and I've heard that question asked a thousand times, and every time I hear the answer, the answer is wrong. I'm gonna give you the answer. Is it a sin to skip church in the way that I described? Here is the answer. Absolutely yes. It's a sin, and I'm going to prove it to you in the Bible. What you're going to find out as we jump into this here is that the word sin in the Bible is pronounced amartia, amartia. That's not margarita, that's amartia, okay? And so every time you're reading through your Bible and you come across the word sin in the New Testament, it is pronounced Amartya. Let me tell you what amartya is. Amartya is a hunting word. And we got some hunters in our church. And it was an old hunting word that was used with bows and arrows. And you take your bow and you pull it back and you shoot the arrow at a target. And if you miss the target, it goes right, left, up, down. You don't hit the target. You know what that's called? Amartya. It is missing the mark. And what you're gonna find out as we jump into this study is that God has provided the anchor of worship. He has provided the opportunity, the gift to go to church. He's provided that for you. He's given that for us, for reasons to be able to keep us grounded in him. And so not to participate with that, watch this. If I don't, catch this, don't miss it. I have missed the mark. 
I'm missing something that God has given me. And so you're gonna find out that the Bible opens that up in a real clear way. So let me show you in the New Testament where it comes up. Now, if you've ever done any study about the church, okay? When I say church, I'm not talking about Eastside, I'm talking about the church, okay? Big C, that means the kingdom of God. You know that it all started in the city of Jerusalem. It happened, we're just gonna, we're just gonna summarize the, uh, the year here. We're gonna say 30 AD, okay? Right around there, two, three years different. We're gonna say 30 AD, that's when it started. It all happened in Jerusalem. And there were on day one, anybody know? 3,000 of them. So the very first time we have Christians in a church is in the city of Jerusalem, year 30, 3,000 of them. And the good thing for us is that we have in our Bible, we have a description, very detailed, about what they did, about the things that the very first Christians did. And the reason I think God gave them there is so that you and I can look at them and say, okay, that's how it was in the beginning, and that's what we ought to be doing now. That was important. And so the book of Acts just unfolds for us. Here's the things they did in 30 AD. These things were important to them. Now, there's all kinds of them. It's not our purpose to look at them. Just let me throw a few of them at you. Check this one out. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, important to see chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, they, who's they? The 3,000, okay? The front runners of the church, first Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me tell you what that is. That's sermons. That's teaching the word of God. They were devoted to it. So what you're doing this minute by listening to the teaching of the word of God is God designed it that that's what Christians do. And they were devoted to it. They didn't do it if they felt like it. They didn't do it, hey, got a little extra time. They were committed to this. Look what they did in verse 45. Watch this. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Uh, Aquila showed you that we had 86 people who joined our family last week. So we're getting to be a bigger and bigger family, a lot of different family. Listen, we take care of each other. We just take care of each other. And sometimes that's sacrificing in order to take care of, but that's what family does. And so they did it in the first century. Notice this, what they did. Check this next one out. I love this one. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What's that mean? Hey, come over to my house. And you can see them back then. You know, they got a barbecue going on. The kids are playing in the backyard. And somebody got out the karaoke machine. They just loved being with each other. And that's exactly what that is. They had friendships in the body of Christ. Now watch this one. Let me show you this one. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they went to church. And that was a Jewish group of people back in that day. And so that wasn't anything new to them. Their history was that. And so they have, they have historical evidence and memories where Moses had the tabernacle and Solomon put up the temple. And the people of God always went to a physical location to be together to concentrate on their father. And now that Christianity begins in 30 AD, that was a normal thing for them. We're going to get together at God's house and we're going to worship him. And they did it every day. Now watch, that's 30 AD. Here's why this is so important. 
Because now let's historical study this and let's advance about another 30 years. Another 30, 40 years. Let's just say we're gonna go from 30, we know what's happening in 30, let's go to 65, okay? 35 years later. And there's this guy that writes this letter. We have evidence to believe that it was Paul, the Apostle Paul. That's who we think, we're, we're pretty sure it was him. And he wrote it to a, a big group of Christians who were Jewish Christians. And he wrote to this group of people in 65 AD. Anybody, any math uh, students here? How, long, how old was the church? 35 years, okay? So for three decades, they've been going, growing, expanding. So now 65, the Apostle Paul writes these Christians because he heard about a problem. And he wanted to talk about that problem. And the problem comes up in the book of Hebrews, the letter that he wrote, and look what he wrote. Check this out. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some people have started detaching themselves from the anchor. So 35 years later, we start to see the issue that I'm talking about this weekend here at Eastside. We find that happening in the early church. And Paul wrote about it and said, that can't happen. That cannot happen. Now remember, I don't think we're talking about Christians who can't go to church. We're talking about Christians who won't. Christians who say, there are reasons why it's not the normal thing for me, man. That's just not what I normally do. That's not a big deal for me anymore. Once in a while, I'll show up. I got all kinds of reasons, but, but it's just not my habit. It's not my normal custom. And Paul wrote about that and said, that is an issue. Now, now watch this. Verse 25 says that. I want you to see what verse 26 says. Check it out. If we deliberately keep on, somebody say it, amartia. There is a connection between the 25th verse that presents the problem and the 26th verse that calls it for what it is. Is it a sin to skip church? Absolutely it is. And the reason that it's in sin terminology is what God is saying is that if that's not the regular practice of your life, watch this, watch this, you are missing something. You're missing something. And if you miss it, you will always drift. Is it a sin to skip church? The answer to that is absolutely yes. And so, so why should I come to church, okay? Should I come because it's a sin? I don't wanna be sin, I don't wanna be amartia. Is that why I should come? I think there are motivations that scripture gives us to be in the house of God. When I was a young preacher, I, th I think I'd been preaching maybe, I don't know, three, four, five years, and uh, I had some buddies of mine and we were just awful, okay? We were terrible preachers. You think I'm bad now? 
Jesus, I have made some improvements. So back in those days, uh, we heard about a preacher's convention, and so we said, let's go to it. And so we showed up in this town called Champaign, Illinois. It's where the University of Illinois is, and they had a state preacher's convention. And I've told you bits and pieces about that convention because it really was a marked time in my life. And uh, one of the things that happened there um, is that uh, they, got, they got us all together. It must have been 200 of us, okay? Two, 300 preachers in there, which smelled like a bunch of cow manure. You get them all together, and they stink, but they can do some good. So all these preachers are all over, and they opened it up by saying, around your table, we want you to tell the funniest things ever happened in all your church ministry. Well, we're brand new. We didn't have any examples, and so we're listening to these guys tell these stories. And the guy at my table won the award. And, and his story was, he goes, now, fellas, I wasn't there. I was just a, a little kid, and I went to church with my mom that weekend, and they had a baptism in this little country church. Uh, anybody ever grow up in a little country church back in those days? And they were using this one, one room. And he said the baptistry, uh, I've actually seen this before in those little country church, was right in the floor of the stage. They'd pull a board up, and the baptistry's right there. I mean, ours is up there, okay? Ours is up there closer to heaven, where it ought to be. And theirs was right here. And so when they had a baptist, baptism, what happened that day, this kid's telling the story, he says, I'm out there watching it, is they just tell people to, you know, just kind of, you know, hang in there, we're going to play some music and stuff. And so, you know, Thelma's over on the organ getting things going. And they took this curtain, they pulled it around, and the preacher doing the baptism, the guy getting baptized, are behind the curtain, changing into the baptism clothes. And so this kid says, I'm out there watching with my mom, we're just kind of waiting, you know, Thelma's playing around. And apparently behind the curtain, uh, the preacher was down to his birthday suit. He's about ready to grab his, uh, his uh, robe. And the guy getting baptized was down to one last sock. And when he went to get it, he lost his balance and grabbed the curtain. Bam! The curtain was down. And he said, there's the preacher in his birthday suit in front of the church. And he had, he had a great line I still remember. He goes, it's the only time in all my life I ever saw a preacher dismiss an audience and nobody left. Okay, nobody left. And he said, he looked at his mom and he said, I'm never missing another week in church ever again. Why, why do you come? Why are you here? And, and if this is not your regular thing that you're attached to that anchor, if you're not, why would you do that? What is the motivation for you to be here? Why are you here so that you don't miss out on it? I'll tell you for me, and I know for a lot of people, because um, I know some of y'all out there, good. You're here because you love walking in this place, don't you? You love being here. We probably all have places that we love to go, and for me, man, this is just one of them. I just love to be here. I see some of our, our staff out here, and I, I can tell you, our staff love to be here. We love it. One of our favorite verses, I think, for those of us in ministry is this verse right here from the, the psalmist. He said, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Oh, we get to go to church, man. We get to go to church. I think about it when I wake up on Thursdays. Man, I get to go to church. I can't wait to get in here and shake hands with people on weekends and get to see people that I love and people who love me. I love Christian music. Man, I love the lyrics of Christian music. Listen to the lyrics. Read them when we put them on. Look at those things. 
some of that trash that we have out there in the world right now, you listen to the, the lyrics, of the, listen to Christian music, man. I love to listen to Christian music. I love communion time when the world just kind of, let's hit a pause button for a minute and just remember what he did for us. And I love teaching the word of God. If, if I'm not teaching, man, I love being out there and listen to somebody teach me the, the word of God. I just love coming to church. There's reasons why you attach yourself to that anchor. But if you're not convinced of that, I wanna show you biblically. I'm gonna show you some things maybe you did not know about being in this room, about waking up and saying, I am physically gonna go to church and that's gonna be a priority in my life. Maybe you didn't know some of these things in the Bible and I just wanna tease you with just a few really quick. And, and if you hear these and say, man, I, it's just not my thing, then man, you're, you're, you're gonna drift. Let me, let me show you some of the things the Bible tells us. That when you go to church, you are going to experience his presence. I want you to hear this. All of us know about the presence of God, okay? And we all know that God is everywhere at all times. That is called his omnipresence, O-M-N-I. Omnipresence means God is everywhere. There is also something called his inner presence. And that's when God comes up and takes up residence in your life. And you know when that happens? Biblically, that happens in the baptistry. It happens when you're baptized. Last Tuesday night, 28 people in that baptistry had the inner presence of God take up residence in their life. But there's also something called the manifest presence. The manifest presence of God is when God says, I want you to see me and know me and understand me and feel me more than you ever have. And so I'm just gonna kind of explode my presence out for you to see. That is called the manifest presence of God. And on God's choice, God lets his presence out. And you know where he does it? Right here. And historically in the Bible, we have indication over and over that God makes himself known in a manifest way in a building where his people gather. Let me show you just a few places. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, God is talking to Moses. And look what he said. He said, have them who? The community of God. Have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them right in that sanctuary. That is the manifest presence of God. Ezekiel wrote to us years later of how he actually saw it happen. Read what he said in this 43rd chapter of his prophecy. He said this, the glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east, and then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That is the manifest presence of God. And even Jesus told us that would happen. 
It's a verse that we often quote and we often misquote and misinterpret from what he was saying. But Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, remember this, you probably have said this, for where two or three, Jesus said that, two or three come together in my name, I am with them. And we quote that all the time. We get together with another brother or sister in Christ and say, well, there's two of us, okay, so he must be here. And we focus on, well, you gotta have two or maybe three. That's not the point at all. Numbers have nothing to do with this. That's why he said two or three, okay? Or you'd look at him and say, come on, dude, what is it, two, three? We gotta have three? Gotta have what? It's not about numbers, it is about this. When the people of God come together, Jesus said, that's when I'm gonna show up. And so let me say this to anybody who's ever had a time in your life where you said, you know, I, I just don't think I'm gonna go to church. I got this going on, I wanna do this. Season in my life, can't fit it in. And so online folks, maybe, maybe you're, you're with us right now, we're glad that you're here, we're thrilled that you're here, but it's not because you can't, it's just right now because you won't, okay? I want you to hear this. You are missing, remember sin, miss. You are missing the manifest presence of God right here. Now, if that's not enough to say, man, I wanna be there. Because who here in this room has never had a time where there's gonna be a celebrity somewhere or an athlete somewhere say, man, I gotta go, I wanna be there. Okay, here's what happens here. That the manifest presence of God shows up in this room when his children gather. How come a Christian would not be here? You miss that, okay? Now, now watch this. Not only does that happen when we go to church, but check this out. Let me show you something else. Is that you can expect his power. Now, if you go back to that verse in Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus said, now you got two or three together, man, I'm gonna be there, okay? His point is not people. That's Matthew 18 verse 20. But back up, watch this, because this is nuts, okay? Back up to the verse in front of it, verse 19. And here's what he said. Again, I tell you that if two... That's kind of funny to me, because in this verse, he says you need two, and the next verse, he says two, maybe three. So you're saying, Jesus, what is it? And the point is, it's not about how many. It's the gathering of the believers. Watch. And I tell you that if two of you on earth should agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And so we look at that and think, man, there's some power there, Okay. So the people of God can get together and ask God to do anything and God will show up. That's, that's not the point. Watch. When the people of God get together with the presence of God, there is power. And that's why there is a power in this room in a spiritual sense. I want you to hear me. And if you're online, I please want you to hear me, okay? That when the people of God gather with the presence of God, there is a power in this place right now that is not out there. It's promised to us. And so why would I go? 
Because things can happen to me in this room that may not happen to me anywhere else. And that's why we hear stories of radical life change that happen in this room. And there are folks that are listening to me right now, and I see two or three of you that could call you out and say you're an example of that, where the trajectory of your life changed in this room. How'd that happen? Because the people of God joined the presence of God. And what was the, exam- the result of that? The power of God. Why should I go to church? Because if you don't, you amartia that. You miss that. Now let me throw one more to you and we're going to be done here in a second. That's a lie. We're not going to be done in a second, but you know what I'm saying. Throw, throw this up here. The next third reason, and that is that you can exercise your preparation. And uh, I don't know about your mind, but I read that and thought, that don't even sound good, but let me explain it, okay? <laughs> do, do you remember the verse, the key verse that we looked at earlier from Hebrews 10, where Paul writes to them and said, man, I'm, I'm hearing that people are not, you know, this isn't a regular thing for him anymore, and they're not going to church, and then he brings up the Amartya thing, and, and you go back there. I only read part of the 25th verse on purpose so that I could read all of it at the end. So let's go to verse 25 and look at it, and you'll remember the first half. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We already looked at that. But let us encourage one another. Let's tell something that's going to build people up, what we're going to say. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day? The day is the return of Jesus. The day is when we're all in heaven together with the Lord and as a family again. And what he's saying is, and I want you to hear this, in 2022, okay, that the closer we get to the day, you ought to go to church more, not less. And so when I talk about what's happening with the church in America, and that means Jeffersonville, Indiana too, the big C church all over, what we're finding out is that today, Christians are going to church less and less and less and less. And the Bible says you ought to be going what? More and more and more. Why? Because if you don't, you miss that. You don't know anything about the presence of God. You don't even know about the power of God. You miss all of that. And so, dude, prepare yourself for what heaven's going to be like because this is preparation for heaven. I want you to go to sleep tonight, and I want you to be thinking of a guy that uh, probably nobody in this room has ever met. But I can almost guess that most people in this room have been impacted by him. His first name was Chap. Some people called him Chappy. Chap Russell lived in a small town up in Pennsylvania a few decades ago, and and Chap was the leader of his family, and his family was a church-going family. And they just went to church. That's what they did. And one Saturday night up in Pennsylvania, they had a torrential 
a winter storm came through, and I mean, it just blanketed the place with heavy snow and just bitter cold and terrible wind. And the next morning, when the kids woke up, they said, well, here it is, finally, all glory goes to the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. One week, we ain't got to go to church. And uh, chap, their dad said, not so fast. And so they all bundled up, and they stuck him in the car, and Chap and his wife got in the front seat, and they took off on that bitter, bitter Sunday morning, a 20-minute drive to church. They made about a quarter mile from the house on Old Country Road. The car got stuck. It wouldn't go forward. It would go back. They tried to push it. did everything it could, and it just wasn't going to go. And so Chap told everybody to get out of the car, and they trudged back to the house in this bitter weather, and the boys were walking and saying, yes, yes, all glory to Jesus. And so they get into the house, and the boys are changing clothes because they're going to go out into the barn. And they got a big basketball court set up on the old wood floor. We're going to go play basketball today. We ain't got to go to church. And uh, their dad, Chap, said, not so fast. And so they came down to the living room, and and Chap wasn't a preacher, but he grabbed his Bible and he read a little bit of it. And he made a few comments, and and uh, and Chap's wife went out in the kitchen. She got a couple crackers and some juice for communion, and they they made one of Chap's daughters go over and you know tickle on the piano a little bit, and they sang a little bit. And then those little boys grew up, and to this day, those little boys talk about that day. One of those little boys, John, grew up to be a preacher. John Russell in the Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky area, preached in that church for years and years and years to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And if you live anywhere around Cincinnati, Ohio, your life probably was affected by John Russell. And John had a brother named Bob. And Bob made his way to Louisville, Kentucky, and you and I don't have enough time for the rest of the week to talk about all of the impact that Southeast Christian Church has had globally because of Bob Russell. And that's not saying anything about their daughter. It's not saying anything about all the grandkids of Chap, one granddaughter among whom is a member of this church and is the model of volunteer service in this church. Ain't nobody comes close to who she is and what she does in this church. And you just sit and think about all the people on God's globe who have been impacted and the people who are in heaven who've been impacted because one man told his family, we're going to church. See, this isn't just about you. This is about everybody around your circle and the influence and example that you are when you attach yourself to that anchor and you hold on to it in the yacht of your life and only God knows the result of that. Let me pray. Father, I thank you um, as I stand up here and I don't know how many church services I've been in, God. 
And quite frankly, I've probably forgotten most of them. But they're kind of like meals. I can't remember the meals I had, but they made a difference in my life. And I thank you that when all of this started with the Israelite people, that your idea of, of this gathering of the people and how important that would be for what you want to do in our life. And my prayer that I've prayed all week long is the same prayer that I pray right now. I, I pray that there are some folks who have detached from the anchor who will get that settled this weekend because you want them to catch something. You want something to happen in their life. And I pray that they don't miss it anymore. So thank you. Thank you so much for the fact that you love us so much that you want us to come together and talk about you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen.